0: Of Pentecost. The liturgical colour is red, red for the fire of the Holy Spirit. This is the day the church was born. Martin spoke last week of the importance of the Christian festivals and how Ascension sat between Easter and Pentecost. Pentecost held the beginning of the church. Without Pentecost, we wouldn't be sitting here today. The church was born in a blaze of fire. The power of the Spirit was so amazing, it transformed the 120 disciples in the upper room into people of power who spoke with authority, who realized that before they had seen God in the person of Jesus walking with them. Now, through the Holy Spirit, they had the presence of God in them. So what happened? Where is that fire in the church today? Do you feel that God is in you, working through you, and that his presence is empowering you? Could it be that for some, when they first believe, they get lost between Calvary and Pentecost? They've been to Calvary for the forgiveness of their sins. They've received Jesus into their lives, but they haven't gone to Pentecost to receive the power of the Spirit who hasn't heard business owners say it's so hard to find good help help these days well for those that call themselves a follower of Christ we have the ultimate helper the ultimate counsellor we have the Holy Spirit who resides in us Bethlehem means God with us Calvary means God for us but Pentecost means God in us How many of us are like the believers in Ephesus spoken of in Acts 19 verse 2 where Paul asked the believers if they had received the Holy Spirit when they had become Christians and they replied they didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Do you know that your life could and should actually be transformed through the power of the Spirit? This morning I would like to have a look with you at the incidence of the spirit at the work in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Hebrew word for spirit and wind is ruach. The wind has been used as an emblem of the spirit for the Jewish people throughout generations. The wind of the spirit was present at creation, hovering over the earth. In Ezekiel 37, where it was the ruach spirit that brought back to life the valley of the dry bones, The dejected and defeated people were brought back to life through the Spirit of God. As the column of fire in the desert being a sign of God's present protection and guidance for the traveling Israelites, there are many examples where God specifically puts his Spirit into his people for a purpose. Like when the Israelites in the desert were tasked to build the Ark of the Covenant. Exodus 31 tells us that God called by name specific people, And he filled them with the Spirit of God, in wisdom and understanding, in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship. The Spirit specifically rests on prophets and kings like David and Solomon, but the aim is not for their personal gain, but to lead and guide the nation of Israel. The Spirit empowered specific people to lead, guide, encourage, chastise, and pull people back. Into his presence. Looking at and researching the Old Testament, the conclusion can be made that the Spirit of God was with his people as the covenant promise. He dwelled among them in the temple rather than in them as we find in the New Testament. The Old Testament focuses on God's presence with the nations, not with the individual. God worked on individual lives through other means. God's presence was in particular places, like the tabernacle or the temple. Each time the Old Testament describes someone as having the spirit, it was done in the context of empowerment. Through the spirit, leaders were used for the nations, or prophets were sent to bring God's word to his people. The Old Testament foretold in detail that the time would come that God would make a new covenant with his people. In Jeremiah 31, verses 31 and 32, Jeremiah refers to the new covenant that would make a new location for God's law. Not stone tablets in the temple, but the law would be written in the hearts of God's people. In the Old Testament, the heart is not the place of love and sorrow, romance and tenderness, joy and compassion. These are old Western meanings of the word heart. In the Old Testament, the heart is the seat of wisdom, the place of memory. The person thinks with the heart, makes plans with the heart, comes to a decision with the heart. Those who are righteous love the Lord with all their hearts. They are upright in heart, pure in heart. But the heart is also the place of our downfall. Jeremiah reminds us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately corrupt. Who can understand it? It is when we read and understand these texts that we understand that God's of God's grace, we need a new spirit in our lives, in our hearts. Jesus himself spoke about the need of all believers to be filled with the spirit. In John 14, verses 25 and 26, Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus prepared his disciples for the coming of his Holy Spirit. In the previous chapter in Acts, in verse 8, he prepares them for the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would be sent by God and would anoint the disciples with power, enabling them to preach and act with boldness. The Spirit came down on the disciples on Pentecost. It was life-changing, and it didn't stop there. It burned away unbelief and hesitancy and replaced it with the presence and indwelling of the Spirit of God. The Spirit purified the hearts and spirits of the believers and enabled them to become the people that God had always intended them to be. This gift of the Spirit... This life-changing force is living in each one of us who have given their lives to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This is what the prophet Joel prophesied in the passage in Joel 2, 28 and 29, which Peter quoted in the passage we read today. It foretold the outpouring of the Spirit on all flesh. The passage prophesied that old and young would prophesy, have dreams and see visions, and not just for the time of Pentecost, but for all people who believe in Jesus and for all the time from generation to generation. The story is told of a couple standing over their new baby's cot. The wife saw her husband's face and she saw on his face a mixture of emotions, disbelief, delight, amazement, enchantment, Touched by this unusual display and the deep emotions it ero- arose, with eyes glistening, she slipped her arm around her husband. What are you thinking? She said. It's amazing, he replied. It's just amazing. I just don't see how anybody could make a cod like that for £50. Pounds. <laughs> the man saw the vessel. The woman saw the gift and wonder within. <clears throat> Is this how we are? Do we accept our salvation and are in awe of it? Or do we fail to see that this new life we were given in Christ when we accepted him came with a beautiful gift, with his spirit who now dwells in us believers and is just waiting for you to say, you are welcome here. Why is it that so many of us do not understand the gift that God sent down at Pentecost? When Jesus spoke to Peter in Matthew 16, verse 18, he said that he would build his church on the rock and the gates of hell would not be able to withstand it. But it wasn't until Pentecost that the Spirit of God changed Peter and his illiterate illiterate fisherman became a powerful speaker, speaking with such boldness and power that 3,000 people believed this message that day and were baptised. The Spirit used the natural gifts that were in Peter and transformed them. He was already gifted with leadership qualities in the group of disciples. God now transformed that natural gift through His Spirit, and Peter became the rock that Jesus had said he would become. The Spirit of God transformed Peter. Gone was the man who had denied Jesus three times. Here stood the man, certain of his calling and able to speak God's word to those around him. He had walked beside Jesus, now he had Jesus living within him, and that certainty changed him. God does the same today, through the gift of the Spirit, which all have received when we believed, our human abilities and the spiritual gifts come together to serve God and others. So why is it that so many of us do not believe they have the Holy Spirit in them or exercise the gifts that the Spirit has bestowed upon them? The Spirit lies dormant in so many of us. We are passive and let it lie there. But oh, if we only watered it, it would be like a seed lying on dead dry ground. Once watered, it would grow and grow and we could be transformed by its beauty. What was it that made the disciples so open to receive the Spirit and to allow the Spirit, the Helper promised, to work in their lives, transform them? Let's look again at that little passage in Acts. The disciples waited on the Lord together. They were all in one accord. That means they worked together and their desire was to seek the will of God. If we want to have the Spirit move in our lives, we need to be the body of Christ on earth together. No one is more important than the other. No gift of the Spirit is more important than the other. Instead, all work together for the greater good of doing God's will, both for our lives in this church and in our personal walk with him. They prayed together. I don't know many people who say they pray enough. I certainly do not. However, what I do know is that when I spend time with God, real quality time, I grow. I see more clearly what is God's will and I am much more sensitive to the needs of others, often prompted by the Spirit to do certain things. As a church, I know that Martin would like to see many more people come to the prayer meetings a church that prays together stays together, is one of the sayings I grew up with. How much closer would we get to God if we came together and prayed together? They believed that through the indwelling of the Spirit, God worked through them. In this passage, the Spirit came on all 120 men and women, and they all spoke in different tongues. That, in turn, caused people to be amazed and three thousand people turned to Christ because they first heard the disciples talk in a different language. So God has put His Spirit in us, and this Spirit is the Spirit of the Living God. Jesus wants us to be, wants to build His church here on earth, and the Spirit was given to all of us to equip us to build with Him. And there are many verses in the New Testament that tell us about the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 states that the spiritual gifts are given for the common good and the building of the church. Ephesians 4, 12 tells us that the Spirit is given to equip us, us as his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Romans 124 to 8 gives us a very practical list of the gifts of the Spirit. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's a contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. And if it's showing mercy, let him do so cheerfully. In addition to the six, we find elsewhere in the scripture the gifts of administration, the gifts of discernment, the gift of evangelism, the gift of hospitality, the gift of shepherding. All these gifts sent to us by our Heavenly Father, to help us to know the power of the resurrected Christ within us. God showed his presence to the Israelites by overspreading the tabernacle with fire. This fiery presence presided light and guidance. In the New Testament, God guides and comforts his children with the Holy Spirit dwelling in our bodies, the tabernacle, the temple of the living God. The Holy Spirit creates the passion of God in our hearts, after the two travelling disciples talk with the resurrected Jesus, they describe their hearts as burning within them. After the apostles receive the spirit of Pent at Pentecost, they have a passion that lasts a lifetime and impels them to speak the word of God the, the Word of God. The Holy Spirit produces the purity of God in our lives. God's purpose is to purify us, and the Spirit is an agent of our sanctification. As a silversmith uses fire to purge a dross from the precious metal, so God uses the Spirit to remove our sin from us. His fire cleanses and refines us. Let us today, on the day of Pentecost, decide together that we want to stand united in prayer that we want to ask God for a fresh anointing of his Holy Spirit on us. Your experiences in your youth or in the past may have stopped you from accepting that God wants his Spirit within you to move, to allow you to grow as a person, to accept the gifts he has for you. Let us today put all the things that hindered behind us and reach out to God in prayer for a fresh anointing of his Spirit. As we pray together with other Christians in our nation this week, let us pray for the renewal of the Holy Spirit and the confidence to share our faith, just like the disciples did when they were first baptized in the Holy Spirit.